If you would please open your Bibles with me in the book of Romans this morning, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 as we continue a series that we started several weeks ago called Full Speed, Ready, Set, Go on the Vision of Our Church. Now what we do is a result of who we are, and who we are here at First Baptist Broken Arrow is that we exist to reach BA and beyond by multiplying disciples to follow Jesus. And so we've been detailing in this series what does that look like in our everyday lives. And so we said there are about five things that we're going to give our resources to, our people to, and weekly you have to do to fulfill the mission that God has given our church to multiply disciples to follow Jesus. So we said, number one, you got to engage in a worship service. you got to participate, be involved in a worship service, either here or online. Number two, you got to be in a group. I mean, it's our desire not to just be a church with Sunday school or small groups, but of Sunday school and small groups. you got to be in a group. Thirdly, we talked about last week how you have to invest in a few, that the divine method that God has used to extend and expand His mission from all eternity has been through people. It's confined within the Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. In light of that, the greatest investment that you can give of your time and your talents and your wisdom is through people. Now today, I want to talk to you about how to make an impact. Having a strong life-changing effect on someone else's life. Make an impact. Now before I do that, let me ask you this question. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and why? Marvel Comics and Productions, uh, they know a little bit about superheroes. They've been creating them for the last 80 years. They put together 20 of the greatest superpowers that they gave their superheroes. And just for the sake of time, I've kind of narrowed it down to about the top five. So let me guess what you think about this. Number one, the ability to have elemental control. The ability to control weather or the elements. Now, we know about that a little bit in Oklahoma, right? A little bit less wind sometimes, you know, when it's hot. A little bit cooler temperatures. I mean, if I could give you sunshine on a cloudy day, I could make it happen. Boom! The ability to have elemental control. Secondly, telepathy, the ability to control people's minds or memories. Now, for us sports fans in here, I've been a Chicago Cubs fan for my entire life. If I could, like, not remember about 35 of those years, that would be absolutely incredible, okay? They're they're actually, they're not that bad right now, but they got swept by the Cardinals last night. So anyway, moving on. Wish I could remember that or, or not remember that, right? Now, thirdly, the ability to time travel, to control the nature of time or events. Now, by God's grace, football has started back, all right? It's fully coming back this weekend. So if we could just kind of, if I could take where we are right now and just kind of move us to next Saturday morning at about 9 a.m., I would love to do that, specifically for those in power change their minds about football again, right? Within next Sunday, the NFL starts. All right, praise the Lord, the ability to time travel. Now, the two most prominent super gifts in these superheroes are one, Super speed, the ability to go really, really quickly. But uh, lastly, super strength, the ability to take what is most powerful and crush obstacles. I mean, if you can't just overcome them, just completely annihilate them, right? These are gifts that people have in superheroes. Now, let me tell you this. From Romans 12, in Christ, Paul tells us you have a superpower. You see, at the time of Romans 12... Pagan religions from Rome and Greece had dominated the culture in Rome. Consequently, Rome was filled with priests and soothsayers who claimed to represent God or gods. Think Harry Potter plus Hocus Pocus plus the Wizard of Oz. It was just all sorts of awkward, all right? 
In the meantime, Paul urgently instructs Christians to live out their faith as a living sacrifice. By how? By obediently using their spirit-enabled gift that God has given them. Now, when we talk about spiritual gifts, there's about 22 of them confined within the New Testament, and they're in four general parts. Number one, they're in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. They're also in Romans 12, verses 6 through 8. We'll study that in depth here in a minute. They're also in Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, and in 1 Peter 4, 11. Now, Paul wrote Romans in AD 58, and he spent 11 chapters describing what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Paul now, in Romans 12, expounds on what we are to do for God. And with every fiber in my being, before you walk out of here and do life, I want to inspire and challenge and encourage you to make an impact, to have a strong, life-changing effect on someone else. From Romans chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. Here we go. And your Bible says this in verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us, let us then use them, Paul says. Spiritual gifts are not natural talents, but come only through salvation and the supernatural grace-empowering action of the Holy Spirit. Paul communicates this even in this word gift, charismata. It is a gift of grace. It is not something you and I do. It's not something we even want. It's something that we need to fulfill the mission God has given in our lives. The moment that we accept Christ, God not only gives us His Son, He gives us a gift spiritually that we are using to point other people to Him. So then what is a spiritual gift then? Spiritual gifts are unique abilities graciously given to Christians by the Holy Spirit to display Jesus to one another and others in a specific role. No wonder then, Paul says, let us use them. For every Christian is to serve and make an impact. Now, naturally, as Christians, as a body of Christ, we thought this way for over a thousand years. It wasn't until the Middle Ages, the age of enlightenment, where knowledge began to supersede all things in life, that the church began to professionalize Christianity, to place an emphasis on education and power and status. That is completely antithetical to the New Testament. In the New Testament, the moment one accepts Christ, they are immediately empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a life for Christ, so much so that they have been given at least one gift. Some of us in here have multiple spiritual gifts that we are to display to point people to Jesus. But tragically, so many of us, and maybe even in this room, are not using the gifts God has given us. It's very apropos to what Bud Wilkinson said, the Hall of Fame coach at the University of Oklahoma. He said that college football every single Sunday is an ideal picture of life, for you have 60,000 people in need of exercise diligently and patiently watching 22 players in need of rest. You know, if we're not careful, the Lord's church will be that way. That instead of the thousands serving tens of thousands for the mission and glory of God here in BA and beyond, we'll just have a handful in their sweet spots identifying the spiritual gifts God has given them 
to display and to point other people to God through Jesus Christ. The picture in the New Testament church is to fulfill the will of God by obediently contributing to fulfill the mission of God. Let me say that another way. Jesus gave his life so we could give our lives for others. Every Christian and thus disciple has been given a gift by God and thus has a role for God. The New Testament authors thought of this so passionately that they list 22 separate spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Paul gives us seven in verses six through eight. This is not an exhaustive list given by Paul, but it is illustrative. What could this church look like? What do these gifts look like in their application through our church? And that's why from verses six through eight, he details to us a way of life given to God for Jesus. And he gives us right at seven gifts. In fact, look at verses six through eight. He says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, for the one who leads with zeal, for the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You were saved by God to make an impact for God. Number one, Paul says, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now, the word prophecy here just simply means to speak forth publicly. In the Old Testament and New Testament, occasionally, a speaker would have a direct revelation for God, but overwhelmingly declared what had previously been revealed by God. Paul is not emphasizing new revelatory content but rather the means of proclaiming, instructing, admonishing, correcting, and challenging while encouraging the people of God to live a life for God by the revealed gospel-centered word of God. In fact, remember what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 to preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, complete patience and teaching. It is the most humbling privilege that God has given me. Really quite astoundingly, by the way, that God has given me this privilege to be your pastor. However, the most profound thing that I say to you every single Sunday is not what comes forth from the Word of God, but rather is just open the Bible. God has revealed Himself through His Word and by His Son. And the most significant thing we can do is expound and extend the very revelatory truth that God has already given us through His Scriptures. And by His Son, inspiring and challenging and compelling you to do just that will be the greatest privilege of my next 30 or 40 years. Paul is here not talking about a foretelling, but a forthtelling, a way of life in what God has already done through His Word if prophecy in proportion to our faith. He then says, secondly, if service in our serving. Now, the word service here is just simply those who serve. It is mentioned 75 times in the New Testament. Service here is a broad term used for Christians and leaders and deacons. However, it can just expound a way of life. For believers are gifted to actively help 
others in a selfless, Christ-centered way. Why? Because we were saved by Jesus to serve for Jesus. Lasting impact in your life, fruitful meaning and purpose comes when you are in the sweet spot of God's will for your life, which starts first, yes, in obedience. But then from that obedience comes to a natural overflow of you giving your life to God and others. That is why it is so important as a church that we have as a very culture an expectation that you will identify the spiritual gift God's given you. Now granted, he's given you many gifts, some of you. But he's given all of us in Christ at least one. And so that is why as a team we have formed an entire new ministry called Next Steps. A Next Steps ministry that's from its intent means to partner with you, to equip you, to challenge you, to encourage you to be everything that God's called you to be in Jesus Christ. To take the gifts that God has given you not only inside our church, but outside our church. In fact, we already have nine teams identified and ready waiting on you. In light of that, already the Lord may be moving in some of your hearts. I want to make an impact. I want to make a difference. I know the gift that God has given me, or I desire to know the gift God has given me. Well, we've got a place for you at First Baptist Church of Broken Arrow. In fact, if you were to get out your phone right now, if you were to text the word IMPACT to 45776, you would find a page there that has the ability for you to discern the spiritual gift God has given you, an assessment. You would also have nine separate teams. You can begin not to join today, but begin to gather information on from our team leaders that you can begin to make an impact right now. If service in our serving, Paul says. Thirdly, the one who teaches in his teaching. Now the word teaching here is specifically the act of teaching with basic instruction. God has spoken by his word through his son. He intends his followers then to become like him by growing in their understanding of him. Teachers in Paul's day based their teaching upon three primary things. One, the Old Testament scriptures, all 39 books. Number two, the traditions and teachings of Jesus. Specifically, over 1,400 quotations in the Gospels. Thirdly, the material outlined by the apostles. It was the biblical systematic teaching of the Word of God that was the primary function of God's church. That is why we have identified men and women with the gift of teaching and then allow them opportunities to use and exercise that gift. From that, there are some of you here in this room that maybe you say, well, I don't have the gift of teaching, but I love the Word of God. I love the people of God. I desire to fulfill the mission of God. Well, we have, as an adult team, the sole desire to partner with you as well to facilitate the teaching of God's Word. Teaching here describes others who know how to become like Jesus through expounding, obeying, and passionately living out God's Word in their everyday life. 
Some in God's church have the specific gift of teaching. They can accurately expound and expand on the revealed truth of God. They can naturally compel others to obey and passionately live it out. Most of us in this room, we we may need to facilitate that. And so from those strengths, we have opportunities through content teams that we'll be building that you'll be able to walk through phases of your life and in a laser-specific way, apply God's truth to your lives. Now, please hear me. We have several tracks from LifeWay that we've had since the Eisenhower administration that we love here. They're faithful to the Scriptures. They're faithful going through the Scriptures and expounding the Scriptures, and we want to continue those as well. However, we do realize that we have hundreds and hundreds of people that need to be in groups. And so maybe instead of going through specific books of the Bible, they may want to go through our sermon series here. And so through content teams, we'll have opportunities with men and women with a gift of teaching to begin to write content that you can then apply in your everyday life. And frankly, we need it. As renowned author Mark Twain said it well, he said, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I've always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are the ones in which I do understand. (laughs) Amen. That is why. We have a passion to be a church, not just with Sunday school or small groups, but of Sunday school and small groups. Now, you and I, we're going to have a lot of fun in this room, by God's grace. The thousands that gather here in this room and the thousands that gather online, look, we love it. But we desire not to just be a church that gathers as a large group. That is not the biblical model outlined in the New Testament. We are passionate just as much about gathering in small groups about using the gifts that God has given you to extend and expand the mission God has given our church. You see, people have to hear Jesus from us and see Jesus in us. May we come weekly and gather together expecting to see the very God of the universe as we expound his scriptures, and as we gather together to discuss and to apply and encourage one another to live a life to be more and more like Jesus. You can make an impact. I think fourthly, Paul says, for the one who exhorts in his exhortation, for the one who pointedly comes alongside, Paul says, It encompasses here the idea of advisement or encouragement, strengthening and comforting others to turn from their sin or from their discouragement toward Jesus Christ. It implies here one who encourages others to obediently persist in living out God's word and way in their life. Bible teacher Chuck Swindoll said it well of this word when he said, so many people stop in their life because no one is around them to say, go. Paul says that there will be those in God's church that may not have the gift of teaching, they may not have the gift of proclamation, they may not genuinely understand what it means to serve, but they can encourage that they naturally have a disposition from Jesus to encourage one another. Their forth telling is not necessarily in the expounding of God's Word, but in living it out, in sending a text message or an email, of making a phone call, having a good cup of coffee or a gift card from Sonic. Don't we all need more onion rings in our life? It's using those things that God has blessed us to be a blessing 
for others. One author said it well when he said, encouragement is verbal sunshine. I like that. I mean, what would happen if the thousands of people that gather here weekly, what would happen if we turned those into an army of encouragers? That the moment you stepped on campus, hey, good morning. Hey, welcome. It's Sunday. The Lord's here. And he's shown up today. Hey, have a great day. Hey, you know what? I know you've had a tough week. I've been praying for you. Hey, you know what? Uh, I know things seem a little overwhelming in your life right now. We can't, but God can. What encouragement can you encourage others with this week? Who is it in your life that God has placed you with? That through the gift of encouragement, you can lift people up. Don't you see the beauty of these gifts? They're not just limited to structure or time. But rather, they have the capacity to continue to move in people and create movement for the goodness and the glory of God. You can be an encourager not just physically, but digitally. You can send someone a text. You can write a letter. You can make a phone call. And you can make an impact in someone's life today that God can use tomorrow. Paul also says, fifthly, for the one who contributes in generosity. Paul describes someone who sacrificially, abundantly, and open-heartedly gives over and above for the glory of the Lord. You see, God measures giving not by what we give, by what we keep. There is never a time in your life that God will not provide. A believer trusts the more we give to God, the more God himself will provide for our needs then. Therefore, the greatest challenge for us is not managing our finances, but our obedience and faith. Now, tragically, in the Lord's church, demographers tell us as of 2018 that right at 31% of all American households that claim they go to church have never given at all, have never experienced the gift of generosity, have never understood the the true premise and principle of life, that we are not here for ourselves, but for the Lord. We're not here to build our own kingdoms, but to build God's kingdom. I'm so grateful to have a heritage, to see the faith of God and the generosity from God through my parents who modeled this for us. Now, in my household, this looked like our parents sitting us down sometimes at the table to have a little family chat. They would say, guys, what do you want to do this summer? So they'd say, hey, I want to go to football camp. I want to go to baseball camp. I want to go to band camp. I want to go to science camp or cheerleading camp for my sisters. And so my dad would write those down and say, well, you know, in, in light of those things, it, we're going to have to change our lifestyles, which means we're not going to be able to eat out all the time. Talked about a handful of times, a month, maybe that. Want to know why? Because we will give our first and our best to the Lord. That's why. And so we may not be able to do everything we want because we're going to build God's kingdom. And so for my family, it looked like 25 cent tacos on a Wednesday. My dad didn't even like tacos, but they're 25 cents, right? You know what that looked like in my household? 
every single restaurant for my entire first 18 years of my life, we drank water. We drank water because we were building God's kingdom. That one or two times a year where my dad would say, kids, get whatever you want to drink. It was almost like, is the Lord coming back? I mean, what's going on here? But God used that faithfulness to place faith in me. God used that example to make an impact in my life. You see, all of us are called to give in proportion to how God has blessed us, over and above. But God has blessed some of us with the gift of generosity. And for whatever reason, besides the grace of the Lord and His glory, God has placed people in His church that will generously give over and above for His glory. Paul says, sixthly, for the one who leads with zeal. Now this word leadership here means to stand before others. Leadership in the Bible is overwhelmingly serving for the betterment of others. It has nothing to do with empowerment or status at all. Rather, the impetus of leadership in the Bible is not for the betterment of self, but rather for the betterment of others. That is why, as a priority, I will give my life in the decades to come to identifying those who have the gift of leadership in our church because diligent, humble, Jesus-centered, spirit-filled, God-glorifying leadership is indispensable for the overall health and maximum glory of our church. Leadership inspires, empowers fellowship. And we are so humbly grateful to the Lord that since the early 1900s, and you know who they are, God has graciously given the gift of leadership to those in our church who have humbly set aside their pride, humbly set aside the betterment of themselves, and have lifted up Jesus Christ and given a life to serve others in fulfilling the mission God has given our church. Well, what a gift for what a Savior. No wonder, then, Paul concludes, with the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And did you hear how he concluded that thought? I mean, what a fascinating phrase. For those who do the act of mercy. In which way, Paul? With cheerfulness. You see, Paul describes someone who demonstrates sympathy, compassion, and sensitivity towards someone else while comforting them, strengthening them with joy. You know, it's often... A daily reminder here that though by God's grace I'm your pastor, the greatest impact and influence that we can have for the kingdom is not through me, but through you. The greatest opportunity we have to encourage and inspire the tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands that don't know Christ in the Tulsa metro area is not based upon me and my gifting, but rather you and our gifting together. And it won't necessarily be week in and week out the teaching of the Word of God, or a sermon phrase, or topic, or something that goes on in a small group, but rather it'll be a high five, a thumbs up, 
a warm smile from someone else that God will use to ignite a passion in someone's life and heart. My mom often tells a story about how one of the greatest influences of her life spiritually was not a pastor, was, was not necessarily even her parents, so they had a profound impact, my grandma and grandpa, but, but was a greeter. A man who would wear a three-piece suit every single Sunday and would sit at the same door since the Eisenhower administration. And would faithfully say good morning, would hand a bulletin and a stick of gum. And it would be that man who would use that gift and give a stick of gum to almost every kid in the church. And it would be that man through time that would have this lasting, consistent impact. That something so small can make such a great impact. You see, there's some of you that have the gift of mercy. And Paul says that gift of mercy, do it with cheerfulness and allow the joy of Christ to shine through you. You see, God has saved you with someone else in mind. Your comfort can be someone else's peace. Your smile can be someone else's joy. Your gifts can encourage others to give their life to Jesus Christ. So why wouldn't, with everything in your being, would you not take time to take and identify your gift and to point people to Jesus? Before you walk out here and do life, what does that look like? That looks like you taking some time in your day or throughout your week and texting the word impact to 45776. And when you text impact to 45776, we have team members and a page ready for you to identify the gift God has given you and then to begin a conversation with about nine or ten teams throughout our church that you're not committing to for life, but that you're just beginning a conversation about what it looks like to take the gifts God has given you to point people to the giver of those gifts, Jesus Christ. Why don't you take some time this week and text the word IMPACT to 45776. Ready, set, go.